The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 18th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a beautiful day it is here in Sonoma County. So happy to be alive. You know, when I woke up this morning, I just said, good morning. Here I am once again, and it's Monday morning and time to go on the radio. Well, I have two very special guests with me this morning. Joining me in the studio is Cecilia Safanko. Uh, pronouns, she is a she, her, or they, and them. And we're going to clarify what all those things mean. Is a queer musician and photographer from Northern California dedicated to the work of decolonization in all aspects of life. Boy, I'll tell you something, that's a a mouthful, and we're also going to explore that, exactly what that means. You know, I have so many questions about all these different gender identities, and I think it's really important what Cecilia has to offer to us this morning. And the whole idea is to listen to one another, and, and once we learn, I think once we get educated, I mean, I myself, I can't believe it, ever since I met her, I'm finding out one thing after another, and it's very, very interesting. So I hope to have a good conversation. Also joining me on the phone will be Shakina Black, who is the Executive Director of the Peace and Justice Center in Santa Rosa and also Public Relations Coordinator for the Sixth Street Playhouse, and I must add a dear friend. And we will be talking uh, about uh, a fundraiser that the Peace and Justice Center is having raised the roof. It sounds like they need a new roof, and I, we here at the radio station want to support anything that the Peace and Justice Center, and hopefully once we listen to Shakina, people will be uh, interested in going to to the fundraiser and maybe even uh, doing some, uh, you know, just do a donation. Anyway, a shout out to organizer Leslie Graves, who organized the rally. We won't go back this Wednesday. It was a great turnout. I heard it was about 600 people, which was really amazing. We should have had 600,000 out there, but (laughs) that's okay. 600 in Sonoma County is pretty good, and they also had one in Petaluma, and I know there were all kinds of protests going on across the nation, and a shout out to all those people that are involved. You know, this is a very, very important time of our lives now where we're at the, kind of at the crossword uh, rows where we're asking ourselves, do we really believe in freedom? Do we believe in a democracy? Does our vote count? I mean, on and on, there are some big questions asked today. What was so stunning to me, though, and I have to make this comment at at the end of the program because I follow uh, Amy Goodman with Democracy Now! here in the morning, and one of the things that they were talking about, of course, they were talking about gay marriage, abortion. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, Spain is burning. You know, China is flooding. You know, we have wildfires all over California. And what are we worried about? We're worried about the fetus and gay marriage, which doesn't harm anybody. I mean, a fetus is just, you know, it's up to the woman to make that choice. You know, and also as far as as far as gender identity, each one of us have to look at who we are and what we are and what we want to identify with. And we're not hurting anybody. You know, we're just trying to define for ourselves who we are. 
And then they go and they cut out the, the power of the uh, EPA. I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, it's just so hard to fathom. I mean, this it's almost like, what, climate change doesn't exist? Wars are not happening that we need to deal with? And we're worried about these other things that are nothing but diversions. And we better start thinking about that. We're losing our planet. You know, I don't know if you remember two weeks ago when I had those people on, those two women talking about pollinization. And what they brought to my attention was the fact when you travel that bugs don't even hit your window anymore. I mean, our insects are dying. Our bees are in jeopardy. And we're, we're hung up on these, on these other issues. It just doesn't make any sense to me anymore. And, you know, if it makes any sense to anybody, why don't you write me or email me at Elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E, B-Holtz, H-O-L-T-Z, at gmail.com. And let me know what your opinion is. I don't want to be the only person who's feeling this way, that's for sure. Well, I have some special, uh, special announcements. And first I want to do, I want to give my con- Condolences that go out to the family of Anne Gray Bird, who is a proud black woman in our community who stood up, and I mean stood up for what she believed in. For decades, Bird ran the charitable Gray Foundation, founded by her parents in 1992. Wow, 1992, to help low income Sonoma County students attend college. Over the course of about a quarter of a century, the Gray, the Gray Foundation awarded scholarships totaling more than $180,000. And I remember going to one of their fundraisers, and, and they would auction off hats. And I remember, I remember Ann Bird coming in and wearing a hat, and we were all bidding on it. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, Bird, for decades, uh, was a force in local chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAAC branch here in Sonoma County which her her late father co-founded in 1953. One of Bird's favorite pleas, I just love it, to others was, you don't have to stand tall, but you have to stand up. I personally knew Anne and found her to be honest, fearless, and kind. She made a difference in our community. Again, my condolences to her family and friends. And I have to say something as a Caucasian woman. I admire so many of our African-American women in our community. I mean, they do stand up. And I loved what Anne used to say. You know, we, I remember she said it to me two or three th- a time. Elaine, you don't have to stand tall, but you have to stand up. And I will never forget those words from her. So condolences to the Anne Gray Bird family and and again, appreciation for all that she did in this world to help people. Well, I have another announcement to make, and that's, ha- that's happening this Saturday, July 23rd, 2022, from, more, from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., and that's the uh, Athena House Fundraiser Gala. It's really amazing that they're having this wonderful, wonderful experience. It's, they're going to have food and drinks and guest speakers, a silent auction, music, and lots of dancing. And you can find information on this if you go to uh, the Athena House uh, web uh, Facebook, which is Athena House. Just uh, type that in, and they will give you the how you can how you can uh, register to go to this event. I believe it's a hundred dollars. And also, you can go on the now. SonomaCounty.org, and also they have information listed on it. So it's a, it's going to be this uh, this Saturday, and I know they're almost sold out. So I would really uh, 
I would really uh, look look into it. And it's it's so amazing. The woman that's uh, that's heading this is a woman by the name of uh, Jasmine, and I love her. I love her email. It's keeping hope alive. So it's jasmine at keepinghopealive.com. And you can also find out about, uh, you know, email her and find out what is happening. And she will give you instructions on how to either sign up or just make a contribution. And, of course, another announcement I have that is very, very important. And I'm going to be having Shakina uh, Black on. It's called Raise the Roof Festival for the Peace and Justice Center. It's going to be happening on Saturday, August the 13th. You know, it's so hard to believe August is just around the corner. I mean, here it is already July 18th. You know, I don't know where time goes, but, man, it sure flies. So it's going to be Saturday, August uh, 13th, and uh, you can. it's from 12 to 8. It's going to be at the uh, Monte Rio Amphitheater. And when we have Shakina on, she will be telling us all the information about this, how to get in touch with them and how to get tickets. And also, you can always go to www.womenspaces.com. You know, we always have information there. Well, here's another announcement we have this this evening. Very important, the National Organization for Women, now Sonoma County Chapter, will be having their monthly Zoom meeting. Go to nowsonoma.org for all the details. The meeting is from 7 to 8.30, and right now we're in the planning stages, so we really encourage folks to come on to the meetings and to speak your opinion. And, you know, we do have a National Organization for Women chapter here in Sonoma County. Every woman out there should be a member. Why do I say that? Well, for example, if we have a little beef with the the city council or, say, the board of supervisors, and let's say I show up. Well, I not only show up with 250 members behind me in Sonoma County, but I also show up with 250,000 members nationally. So it's very important. And one of the things I really found out what an impact we had was during the sheriff's uh, during the sheriff's uh, uh, election. Uh, now our local chapter, we supported one of the candidates, and I wrote, and our president wrote a letter to the editor uh, supporting this with our name on it, the National Organization for Women, Sonoma County Chapter. And guess what? It wasn't printed. So it showed me how powerful we are, afraid to get the word out there. And I called the I called the paper and they said, Oh, you know, we have so many, so many people writing in, you know, we probably got lost. And I say, right. You know, when you have two hundred and fifty thousand women behind you, that letter is very, very powerful. But you know, we need to pay more attention to the actions and the activities that are going on in our community. Very important. And our local paper must support women's groups. And I, I think it's important that women put a little bit of pressure on them. You know, how come we don't hear from more women in the letters to the editor? How come we're not talking more about women's organizations? What are they, what are they doing around abortion? Are they supporting it? Are they for? Are they against it? I didn't even see one mention of the protest that they had downtown on Wednesday that Leslie Graves organized. I mean, you know, it's just amazing how little attention women are getting, and we need to put a little bit of pressure on that. Well, as we do every Monday, we do our history is our strength. And it's so interesting because right now, we're really in historical moments. You know, things are changing very rapidly. But, you know, in July 19th, to July 20th, 1848, 
Okay. The Seneca Falls Convention, the country's first women's rights convention, was held in Seneca Falls, New York. And that was the, that was the kickoff for the women's rights movement. And it's really interesting, an estimated 300 women and men attended the convention, and at the, at the conclusion of the convention, 68 women and 32 men signed the Declaration of Sentiments. Now, you might be asking, what was the Declaration of Sentiments? It's also known as the Declaration of Rights and Sentiments. It's a document signed in 1848, like I said, by 68 women and 32 uh, men out of... Uh, out of uh, some 300 attendees to the first women's rights uh, convention organized by women. It was held in Seneca Falls. The convention is now known as the Seneca Falls Convention. The principal author of the declaration was Elizabeth Candy Staten, uh, Stanton, who modeled it upon the, uh, you know, she looked at the United States Declaration of Independence, and that was the Declaration of Sentiments, the same kind of idea. According to the North Star, published by Frederick Douglass, whose attendance at the convention and support of the declaration helped pass the resolution put forward, the document was a grand movement for training, for attaining the civil, social, political, and religious rights of women. Now, just listen to that. The document was the grand movement. This is the words of, Doug, of Frederick Douglass for attaining the civil, social, political, and religious rights for women. This was a big deal, ladies, that these women stood up and said, we want a seat at the table. We want a voice. We want to be able to vote. Well, it's really interesting. You know, today is another interesting day. Today is actually July 18th, 2022, and a very interesting, uh, before the, uh, the show went on, Cecilia and I were talking about the whole purpose of listening. And do you know what? Today is International Listening Day, which I think is just, it just, it, it blows me away when I find some of these things out. So on it, on July 18th, World Listening Day is hosted every year by the World Listening Project, a nonprofit organization that is devoted to understanding the world and its natural environment, society, and cultures through the practice of listening and field recording. They explore acoustic ecology, a discipline that studies the relationship between humans and the national world, as mediated through sound. So quiet down, open your ears, and get ready to study soundscapes in World Listening Day. And today, that's the whole idea when you're, that's what I love about radio. There's no distractions. You sit down in a chair and you just open your ears and you just listen. And that's it. So today, let's honor World Listening Day, and let's all make a commitment that we're going to listen closely to what other people are saying to us. And also, one of the things Ken and I have been talking a lot about is listening to the sounds of nature. Listen to the birds, listen to the winds. You know, I love the sound of rain. You know, all these different wonderful sounds and experiences we can have through our ears. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Well, another thing that's important today on July 18th, and that's a happy birthday, and that's uh, she made her transition in 19, 
81, that's Mildred Ryder, she adopted the name of Peace Pilgrim. In 1953, a peace activist who was the first woman to walk the Appalachian Trail in one season, and she walked more than 25,000 miles. 25,000 miles. This little petite woman walked promoting peace. Amazing. Amazing woman. There's so many amazing women through history. It just, it's just astounding to me when I do the research. Well, today is also another important, not, not today, but July 22nd, let's see, the 18, 19, 20, 21, it's four days from now, is Emma Lazarus, the poet who wrote The New Colossus in 1883, which later was inscribed on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. You know, that's what the United States is all about. You know, I'm a child of an immigrant. My father was born in Poland. He could barely speak the language when he came here to the United States. I had two grandmothers that traveled. One traveled from Poland, one traveled from Russia. My grandmother from Russia said we came over with three loaves of bread. And she could not believe the day that she finally saw the Statue of Liberty. She threw herself on the ground and cried, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be a free woman. You know, those things are so important. And we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of who we are as a country. You know, we believe in freedom. We believe in free speech. We believe in freedom of religion. We also believe in the right to carry arms, even though we, even though we have to start looking at regulating a little bit. We have a wonderful constitution that's very flexible, that started out imperfect, I have to say, but little by little, Changes have been made. The most, the most amazing thing about our Constitution is it allows amendments. That means we can change things. We can make things better. But it looks like we're on a downslide these days, like, you know, with the whole abortion rights, the, the getting the, uh, you know, the voting rights. You know, now they're going to start thinking about, you know, it's against the, whatever the Constitution uh, to have uh, same-sex marriage. You know, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, it's just... It's just amazing who we are as Americans, and we need to be reminded all the time of who we are and what we stand for. Well, we're going to take a musical break now, and what I've done is, is I've picked a song that actually recites the poem of the New Colosso, written by Emma Lazarus. It's a very important song, and it's a very important history. Well... We're going to take a musical break now, right now, and when I come back, joining me on the phone is going to be Shakina Black from the, the Executive Director for the Peace and Justice Center here in Sonoma County, and we'll be talking about their up-and-coming fundraiser, Raise the Roof, to raise funds to put a new roof, roof on their center. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play that first song, and let's get Shakina on the phone. Get the phone. Since we can't get the song on the on the line, we're going to read the new colossal. Here, here we're going to read the new colossal, and this was written by Emma Lazarus. And of course, on the uh, Statue of Liberty itself. By the way, my sister Evelyn is in New York, and she just sent me a, a picture. She went to Ellis Island trying to find information on our ancestors. So let me read the poem to you. The new colossus, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gate shall stand 
a mighty woman with a torch, <laughs> excuse me, whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, mother of exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, her mild eyes command, the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she, with silent lips. And this is on the statue itself. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled, your masses yearning to breathe free. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Send these, the homeless, tempest, toast to me. I lift my land, I lift my lamp beside the golden door. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And to me, the golden door was the opening that these people coming into America had. So happy birthday, Emma Lazarus, poet who wrote The New Colossus. She was born July 22nd, 1849, and she made her transition in 1887. Thank you for that beautiful piece of work. And every time you get down and you feel, oh, who are we as a country? Close your eyes and think of that poem. Close your eyes and think of that beautiful, beautiful statue that so many have seen when they come into the United States. A lot to think about. Well, folks, you are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. For you just joining in, I want to remind my listeners, the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and Women's Spaces. Well, I'm really happy to announce that on the phone right now, joining me on the phone is Shakina Black, the Executive Director of the Peace and Justice Center. Welcome, Shakina. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you, Elaine. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, I just appreciate having you on. You know, let me let me just tell folks a little bit about you. Shakina Black is the Executive Director of the Peace and Justice Center of Sonoma County and wears the second hat, and that is she's the Public Relations Specialist at the Sixth Street Playhouse. She is passionate about the creative arts and the key role that music, theater, and dance play in our lives. Previously, she was the booking agent at Redwood Cafe in Katadi until the pandemic happened, where she and the team were recipients, this is wonderful, of the 2019 Boho Award for the Best Live Music Venue. Well, anything else you'd like to add, Chikina, and I welcome. Think, thank you so much. I think that covered it, Elaine, and I, I just want to give you, thank you for your sharing the info about the World Listening Day. I'm going to do some research about that. What a great concept. And also that you mentioned Peace Pilgrim. She's one of my heroes. I've read her book a couple times. So thank you for always bringing information to us. Well, you know, our history is our strength. You know, we forget how strong women are. You know, all of a sudden we're confronted and we kind of back down. You know, whenever I whenever I get into a place where I get nervous or scared, I always think of Ida B. Wells, you know, going in and, and writing about lynching. I think to myself, if she can do that, I can give a, I can give a speech. Well, Shakina, let's start out. Let's talk a little bit about the Peace and Justice Center, its mission and its goals. I think people need to be reminded because it's a very important program in our community. Yes, that's true, Elaine. Thank you. So 
We are honored to be, in 2024, the Peace and Justice Center will celebrate 40 years as a nonprofit in Sonoma County. That's a huge achievement and accomplishment, and I'm definitely standing on the shoulders of giants in, in the Peace and Justice movement, and so I'm honored. I've been with the Peace and Justice Center for seven years in September, and you asked about the, the mission, which is to inform support and energize the Sonoma County community to create peace and social justice through active nonviolence. So I think that's very powerful. And social justice is a huge umbrella. There's so many issues you were lamenting at the top of your show, just all the crises we have, you know, and that's all social justice work that needs to be done. Well, you know, it's interesting when we're doing social justice work, we need a place to be. And we have a wonderful center in downtown Santa Rosa. However, I understand we're having some problems with our roof, what covers yeah. us and holds us. So talk a little bit. You're having this fundraiser. And I, I have to tell you, Chiquina, it's one of the most beautiful flyers I've seen in a long time. I love with the door. You know, people should just collect a flyer. I love the door has right. a little peace symbol. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful flyer. So talk a little bit, raise the roof. What What is its purpose? What You know, what? how much do you need? How much do you need to raise? And how is, how is this event going to happen? Sure. Well, the... <laughs> The roof needs to be replaced completely. So over the years, in my seven years there, every single year we have to pay a roofer or a contractor to come and do a patch on the roof. And last October when we had that torrential storm came through, I came in on, so that happened on Sunday. I came in on Monday and there was sheetrock on the floor because the leak had really gotten out of hand. And so I've left that, the sheetrock, of course, was cleaned up, but the hole in the ceiling is there as a reminder that we have to replace the roof. We could, like, patch it up and say, I, you know, moved to, I don't know where, a different place or something, and then I didn't say anything. People wouldn't know how bad it really is. It's like putting a little Band-Aid on it and going, oh, it's no problem. So that's why we've left it open. Um, but, and you asked about how much. So it's over $20,000, actually, to replace that roof. Um, so that's a big chunk of change, and that is why it's called Raise the Roof Festival. It's also a little play on words, because I like that. I like old-fashioned phrases, etc. And so that phrase, Raise the Roof, actually means to make a lot of noise by playing music and celebrating. So what better way to do a fundraiser Bring the community together, which is equally as important, by the way, to enjoy some music at an outdoor venue that is incredible. The Monoreal Amphitheater is so beautiful, the luscious lawn surrounded by redwood trees. And we've also limited the capacity because I personally know of people who will not go to any indoor concerts at all. And I'm hoping people will say, okay, well, this is a safe outdoor place, and they can, you know, make their own little place, bring your own low-back lawn chairs and a blanket, and kind of stake out your place on that lawn, and know that it's not going to be filled to capacity, so that you'll have some social distancing there. So it's really a great event with some phenomenal bands. So if you want me to talk about the bands, I'd be happy to talk well, about that. the one band I see, you know, I see you have... Uh, 
some wonderful, wonderful bands, but the one that I'm really familiar with is Midnight Sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think yeah. they're just great. And also uh, Un Armo Band, that sounds like a good, a really good one, you know, a, a more, un, a more like I Love You Band. That's really great. Yeah. And it looks yeah. like it's going to happen from 12 to 8 at the Monte Rio Amphitheater. That's at 9925 Main Street in Monte Rio. How can people get tickets? What is any website or who's who's sure. here? Yeah, I would encourage people to go to the Peace and Justice Center's website just to check out, like, the mission statement, the vision statement. And then also there's a page specifically dedicated to this concert, and on there is a link to Eventbrite. So you just click on that link, and that'll take you to the Eventbrite page to purchase those tickets. And please do understand that is going to cover the hard costs to produce this event and to raise the money, the raise the roof, so that we can really replace that roof for our precious nonprofit building that has been a staple in the community for four decades, you know, and, and what is that? Help for, go ahead. What is that website again? Where they, PJCSOCO.org. So PJCSOCO.org, or people just type in Peace and Justice Center of Sonoma County, that'll take you there. And there's an image that um, lovely poster that you were talking about, which, by the way, the graphic artist is incredibly talented, and I sent her a picture of the front door, and she took that and made it all fancy and added some special little um, beings that are holding up the roof, and what people are seeing there is there's actually a facade on the front of our building, so they're kind of holding that part up, and but that is really taken from a picture of the front of the building, which is so clever, so... Yeah, so that's the best way is to go to our website and then let that take you over to the event site page. And and also really important, Elaine, is that we are greening this event. Green Mary, who I know you know um, Mary Minot very well, and she is donating her services. That is her actual company where she, you know, makes her money. But she's donating her greening of the event. So we encourage people to bring refillable water bottles so also Alpine Springs is donating five-gallon jugs of their – I, I subscribe to them and get my water at home delivered from them. So Alpine Springs, which is also a black-owned company in Sonoma County, highly encourage people to get their water delivery from these folks. So they're donating several five-gallon bottles of water so people can go to the refillable water station with their water bottle. Instead of bringing plastic bottles, and, we, and no alcohol, um, please, because we are serving and selling beer and wine as part of the fundraiser. Um, but people could bring in some food if you have you know, special dietary needs. There will be some food trucks. But I understand people sometimes just want their own little picnic. That's fine. But, but try to be green. You know, put it in reusable. Chiquina, yes. we're coming to the end of our segment here. And I know that you wear a second hat. <laughs> That's yes, a public yes. relations specialist for the 6th Street Playhouse here in Sonoma County. And I know there's right. something very special coming up. So if you can just give us a quick real, real quick. Sure. And then Thank give us you, your, give us the website, your website, and uh, we'll have to say goodbye. The segment is coming back, is closing very quickly. Thank you, Elaine. Yes, so we have on July 30th, Shauna Morrison in Caledonia. Shauna Morrison is the daughter of music legend Van Morrison, and so she and her band are coming out to do a show in the big theater, which is 184 
six-seat theater, so you're not crammed into a little tiny bar trying to get a glimpse of the band. You have your own seat, and it's just going to be such a wonderful night. And that is at Sixth Street Playhouse in Santa Rosa, and you can go to sixthstreetplayhouse.com for tickets and information about that great event. And the other and other shows coming up, our season opens on August 11th with Pride and Prejudice. Wow, you have a busy schedule. Well, Chiquita Black, thank you so much for giving us all that information. I think it's so important to remind people once again that there that there is going to be Raise the Roof Festival happening on Saturday, August 13th. And you can go to the... Uh, the Peace and Justice Center website and give you all that information. Also on www.womenspaces, we will have a copy of this beautiful flyer. And I want to thank you once again, Shakina, and wishing you much success with this fundraiser. Thank you, Elaine. I appreciate you greatly. Take care. You take care. Bye-bye. Wow, there's so many wonderful women in our community that do so many wonderful things, and Shakina Black is definitely one of them. And like I said, a reminder, all the information that she gave us about the fundraiser and also about what's going on at the Sixth Street Playhouse will all be on www.womenspaces.com. Well, we're going to take a musical break, and do you think we can play some music, Ken? Okay, we got it. And the song we're going to be playing, How Could Ever Anyone Ever Tell You You Are Less Than Beautiful, sung by Camp Takawanga. I love that, Camp Takawanga. And when we return, joining me in the studio, sitting across from me, is Cecilia Safanko, and he, she goes under the pronouns she, her, or they, slash, them, is a queer musician, songwriter, and photographer, and will be talking about gender identity, its challenges, and what it really means to many of us. Anyway, let's go ahead.
to make on the air yesterday I had a bad day I got so depressed I was listening to the news and I start thinking oh I just start ragging on myself and you know something when I realized in listening to this song I played this song for myself how could anyone especially myself tell me anything other than I I'm just a beautiful spirit a beautiful child of God like all of us out there you know, I'm not a Bible thumper, you know, but I'll tell you something. One thing it says in the Bible is that we are all created in the image of God. And it doesn't give you any, any definition of what that image is. It just says the image of God, which is a beautiful soul, a beautiful spirit. And the fact that we're here is a miracle. You know, when you think about it, I think of all the sperm that shoot out and then here all of a sudden one makes it to the egg and there we are. I mean, that's a miracle. You know, that's an absolute miracle. And, and all that information is carried in a woman's body. And the woman has a right to make a cho choice whether she's going to carry that for because she's responsible for bringing it up, for nurturing and caring. So there's a lot to think about. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine Behold. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Cecilia Savanco. Welcome, Cecilia. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you. You know, I just want to tell folks just a little bit about you. I mean, I mentioned it before in the introduction, but I think it's very important. Cecilia DeFranco, her pronouns are she, her, they, and them. What does that mean, Cecilia? She, her, they, or them? Um, so that just means that you are welcome to use either set of pronouns for me. If you want to use she, her, you can. If you'd like to use they, them, you can. They both reflect how I feel, how I'd like to be referred to. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I would, I'd hate to call you a they and a them. Why? I, I don't know. It seems like it doesn't give you much of an individual. Or does mm. that mean you're part of something? Um, are you referring to like the grammatical structure yeah. of, so if someone left their water bottle here, you would probably say, oh, someone left their water bottle. I hope they come back for it. I hope they Was I referring back. to a group? No, I was referring to one person. I wasn't assuming a gender. So that I think is how that pronoun began to um, become the default gender neutral pronoun because we already do use it in a grammatically correct uh, sentence structures to reference someone whose gender we don't know as a he or a she. So um, I personally don't feel dehumanized or unindividualized by it at all. I think it helps to separate me from, oh, people see me as woman so intensely. They're willing to take a break from just what womanhood might mean. Well, you see, that's the more I talk to you, the more I see that we have to understand things on a little bit deeper level. Sometimes mm -hmm. we look at things very superficially, just on the outside and not consider exactly what they're trying to do. Well, you call yourself a queer musician, songwriter, and photographer, which is wonderful. You're from Northern California, and you're dedicated to the work of decolonization in all aspects of life. What do you mean by that decolonization of all aspects of life? So as we know, colonization is when a group of people migrates to another area, usually inhabited by indigenous people, and they take control. And um, what we've seen historically is that means that the indigenous cultures are demolished, that the indigenous people are, you know, they suffer um 
there's not that many around anymore because of colonization. So what came with colonization was a lot of Puritan culture, right? So the beginning of the United States as we know it is entrenched in um, patriarchal um, Puritan religious undertones that uh, demonize sin so intensely. And what is sinning? It could be being homosexual. It could be being transgender. All of these things that have caused us to feel shame uh, for our sins, right? I'm using air quotes for those who are, for everyone who can't see. But the decolonization is the act of looking at what we have forced upon ourselves as our standards, that we are subservient to men, right? The patriarchy. Um, and we undo some of that. We unlearn it. Because there have been cultures for thousands and thousands of years that don't operate the way that we do and the way that we look at queerness and gender and women and gender roles. So decolonization is looking at every aspect of our life and going, where is the liberation and the freedom underneath the implications that society has burdened us with? Including like, as you know, as a, as a feminist, like women have been subservient to men culturally for such a long time. We've lived in a patriarchy Well, and they're for trying to make them time. subservient again, keep them home and pregnant. Right, and that's <laughs> part of colonizer mindset. It's extreme individualism where you believe that your individual beliefs must apply to everyone and you're not working in community to find out, hey, what do people who birth need? Oh, you're terrified, you don't want this? That's honoring the feelings of that person versus deciding that one set of rules rules applies to everyone. So decolonization has to do with the liberation of all people, all identities, and the care being given to all people that they deserve. Well, you know, it's interesting when you say one set of rules have been given to everyone. You know, that's the whole idea around the United States, actually, that they, like Benjamin Franklin called us, an, a great, a grand experiment. He didn't know if it was going to last or not. And what's so interesting, like I, I brought it up at the beginning, and that what I found out about our Constitution, what makes it so amazing is that it's flexible. It allows for amendments. It allows to be changed. In other words, that we made a mistake, you know, by mm -hmm. by some of the things, now, not giving women the vote. That's that was a mistake, you know, but we ended up amending it. But I mean, right. I mean, and, you know, the Constitution was written by a bunch of like 20 somethings. They were in their 20s when they wrote it, except for Benjamin Franklin, who was like the only 70 year old guy hanging out with a bunch of 20 year old white men who made the rules for this country. Amazing. Yeah. Wild. Well, let me let me finish this little thing. Uh, your, your introduction. Cecilia's passion for LGBTQ plus education began as a teenage ally, ally before finding her own identity in her late 20s. Coming out later in life as a queer, gender non-conforming person provided a lot of perspective that she continues to share in hopes of allowing space for future education and nuance in conversations around marginalized identities. And I guess when you talk about gender identity, they are definitely a marginalized group. You know, I mean, oftentimes, I mean, for myself, I mean, I have to be honest, you know, when it first came out with LG, all the different, you know, letters, I thought, well, what's going on here? You know, I'm a woman, you're a woman, you're queer, you're gay, whatever, but why all this? So yeah. I think it's a very important conversation, because I think once people understand, you take away the myth, and you gain the understanding, I think you can get a little further. So talk about your own personal experiences, some of the challenges you face and continue to face, and why you think it's so important that we understand these things. Yeah, well, I will say um, 
I really only came into my queer identity fully. And I'm saying fully like I'm finished. Like I'm sure there's a lot more I'm going to discover for myself. But I really latched onto queer identity within the last three, four years. Um, I'm 32. A lot of people know a lot sooner. So one of the ways that the lack of education, awareness, and inclusive language affected me was that I didn't think it applied to me. I didn't know that I was a queer person. When I was a teenager, I did have a crush on a girl, and I said something to my mom, and my mom came from a very religious Christian family, had like disconnected herself significantly, and you know, we grew up in Sonoma County. My best friend growing up had two lesbian moms, but even with all of that, it wasn't enough for my mom to not have kind of a dismissive, like, well, I don't know if I want that for you. I don't know. You know, I don't remember exactly what she said, but that was when I was 15. And I didn't re-examine that I could not maybe be straight for about 10 more years till I was about 25. And uh, another crush came forth and I went, well, shoot, I guess I'm something that's not straight. Well, you know, you know, here, all these things are happening to you. You're questioning, you know, now you find yourself... You have another crush on another woman. Where what where did you get the confidence? I mean, how what motivated you to move forward and not to be as maybe as inhibited as you were when you first talked to your mother as a teenager? Yeah. Where did you get your confidence and your motivation? I think it's just impossible to resist it without being completely miserable because we don't we don't have a lot of situations in modern society where one has to repress as much of them as queer people have to do, right? Like most identities, you know, being a woman, being a man, that kind of stuff is, you know, we know what that's about. We have a lot of um, binary in- ingrained stuff in our in our society and language. But it, it, I don't I wouldn't call it courage. I would say that if you are a certain way, it's gonna come out and denying it to yourself devastates your entire system. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the transgender community has a 41% suicide attempt rate. Mm. That is compared to 1% of the general population. The general population, 1% attempts. Trans people, 41%. And that's because of how they are treated societally. It's not because their own existence in their bodies is miserable. It's because as they try to pursue their liberation and their self-expression, they're met with challenges and weird remarks and strange looks and they don't feel safe. And how can you flourish and survive in a society where you feel you're in danger, whether it's small interpersonal jabs or someone doesn't understand you or actual violence like on the streets? Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. You know, I'm thinking all of a sudden that person has to worry so much about their identity. So much. I can't even tell you. The first time I kissed a girl in public, I was looking over my shoulder constantly to see if someone was going to hurt us. Because I had just read an article. This was um, when I was living in New York City and just just considering, well, maybe, maybe I should dabble in this, you know, whatever. Was kissing a girl, just, you know, just a sweet little kiss on the street. And I just wondered if the same thing would happen to me that had happened to other people there was a group of um there was two women who were in a relationship in england who were on a bus and a group of 15 year old boys beat them up 15 year old boys so we're like when people 
you know, don't want to respect queer identity, it really comes down to this. Because I know we're going to talk about inclusive language in a second and why it's important. And one of the main reasons why inclusive language is important is it starts to, it's the first step to normalize your, how your mind thinks about people. And then it normalizes how you feel around those people. And then we start to neutralize the anger and violence that people feel towards those communities. Because when people see something they don't know and they don't like, the reaction of violence is some that is what happens, which is wild to me as an extremely nonviolent and not very confrontational person. But it really is a safety thing. It's danger, it's safety, and it can come down to just being able to use the right language around identities and including trans people so that they're normalized and not so othered in something that we are different from. Well, you know, as you talk, my head just starts spinning when I start thinking is, you know, we all have a body. We've been given a body, and one of the big things around women and abortion and all that is the right to choice, that we are really have control over our own bodies. And, you know, to me, I think I wish they would make as much a big deal over killing of wars or over homelessness like they're doing with all this transgender stuff. It's a I real mean, pick and choose, right? Yeah. Like which which living beings do we care about? It's not like cows who are being farmed for meat in horrific circumstances. It's fetuses that don't have a nervous system yet, like zygotes. Yeah. And also on the, on the note of abortion and inclusive language, which I know we're going to talk about in a bit, um, I think that what's important is also to use gender-inclusive language with abortions, because I don't know if you know this, but men can have abortions. Because if there's a transgender man and he has a uterus, he hasn't maybe gotten a hysterectomy or doesn't want to, trans men can get pregnant. And honestly, personally, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The photos I've seen of trans men with a pregnant belly, that is something that most people have never seen. But once you acclimate to the fact that this is really just freedom to do and be whatever you are it is gorgeous the fact that this man can have this experience and that's beautiful but if a trans man gets pregnant and all we're doing is saying women's rights women's rights women get pregnant then what happens when a trans guy walks into an abortion clinic and wants an abortion and he's like i'm here for an abortion that is going to feel really bad mm -hmm. to that person to not be included and non-binary people which are gender non-conforming people who don't identify as male or female a lot of them are going to have uteruses too and so when we use these words abortion access for women women's rights a women's right to choose women's bodies it's not just that and if we don't use that language to include those people it continues that um oppression and ostracization that they're different and they're so not sounds, like us so it sounds like there's even more places that we have to expand our awareness oh it's everywhere and and <laughs> not be so shocked because it's something different you know it's something it's yeah. a different it's something that's coming into our culture that's different that we need to understand rather than hate one another i mean when you're telling me that 41 percent of young people kill themselves because they're going through attempted a gender, yeah. yeah they're going or attempted suicide yeah. because they're going through gender identity because they feel they're not acceptable it's societal it's really primarily well you know societal, i do a pledge yeah. the self-esteem pledge my mm. self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me I and mean, my self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and i higher power and that sounds with that that's what has to yeah. happen that it must you, you know what i see the confidence in you i think has to be in most people standing up for who they are it's just like yeah. what what you know what uh what uh ann gray bird said which i thought was very interesting to me you know, she said, you know, you might not stand for something, but you got to stand up. You got to speak out. So Absolutely. let's get let's let's get into gender identity. And one of the things that confuses the heck out of me, it dry 
drives me crazy is all these letters. You know, I'm looking, I'm saying, wait a minute. You know, I even made a joke. I was talking on the air. I said, okay, LGBTABCDE, you know, because it's just so overwhelming to people. So let's just talk about this particular definition. LGBTQIA. Oh, we forgot the T. It's LGBTQIA+. Yes, and that is the most inclusive um, acronym. Some people say LGBT, but LGBTQIA+, is kind of the spectrum. It includes the most that you can, (laughs) I think, sensibly have in an acronym. So that just just kind of gives you an identity that you yes. are one of you are identifying with one of these issues. You're yeah. either a lesbian or or you're gay or you're like you call yourself queer. Which I don't know. I I, I always when I hear the word queer, I remember when I was in New York. That was the first time I heard of this guy. Tony was across from me. We were playing cards, and he says, "You know, Elaine, I'm queer." And I said, "Yeah, I know. I I know you're odd, you know." But he, I didn't know what he meant when he said <laughs> yeah, queer. Yeah. Well, and it was also used as a slur for such a long time, and then now has been reclaimed by the LGBT community to be a self, an umbrella term, a self-descriptor. So it's a self-description. Mm-hmm. You know, but I have to say I'm a little queer myself on some levels, you know, so it, it takes... I don't disbelieve that. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely think you might be. <laughs> it, takes, it takes, it takes, it, it just takes a lot of understanding. Yeah. Well, now, gender, why do you believe in it? You explain that a little bit more. Why you do you want me to define the, the um, acronym? Yeah. So LGBTQIA, this is what each letter stands for. L is lesbian. G is gay. B, bisexual. T is transgender. Q is queer. I is intersex. And A is asexual. And I'm sure most people, I'll give you just a brief definition on some of them. Gay is often used for gay, cisgender, male. Cisgender means that you identify with the gender you were assigned at birth versus transgender. So if you don't identify as transgender, you are probably cisgender. So just so you know um, when I use that word. So um, gay is usually used for cisgender gay men. Lesbian is usually used for cisgender gay women, but they also have expanded to include non-binary people. Um, I'm closest to that community, so I cannot report on what the gay men are doing. (laughs) Then there's bisexual. Then there's transgender, which means a person who doesn't relate to what the doctor told them when they looked at their genitals when they were born and went, oh, this is a boy, this is a girl. Being trans means you don't adhere, you don't relate to what they told you. Um, LGBTQ, Q is queer, the umbrella term. I is intersex. And intersex is the word that we would now use in place of what used to be hermaphrodite. Intersex people are folks who have um, chromosomes that don't fit into XX and XY. Um, So they often have reproductive organs that are a combination of what we know from XX and XY people. And just so folks know, intersex people make up 2% of the population. They are as common as redheads. So they're out there. This is not such an odd thing. Um, Just want to let the people know. And then asexual uh, refers to the asexual spectrum where people will have varying levels or a lack of either sexual attraction or romantic attraction. Well, you know, this is such an amazing topic, and I'm going to have to have you on again because I have two. I have some I would other. Love to. I have some. Yeah, other, we have a lot more questions. <laughs> I have a few more questions, and I think that we're going to have to we're going to have to call it a, a call the end of this conversation right yeah. now. But what I would like you to do is any final words you have, and also, my friend, do you have a website? I mean, to me, it mm. seems somebody like yourself needs to be 
maybe speaking a little bit publicly or so how can people get a hold of you to 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 continue this sure. amazing conversation um well if anyone i do i am on social media and i do uh, a combination of education and fun stuff on there you can find me on both instagram and tiktok under the username futch daddy f-u-t-c-h-d-a-d-d-i-e um if anyone wants to email me with any questions or anything like that my email is c d safranco c d s o f r a n k o at gmail.com um my main recommendation to take away for people is i know that i kind of dumped a lot of definitions and technicalities on here but what feels really important to me for people to know is that trans and queer history has been around for so, so long. There's the book of Ruth. Ruth and Naomi have a lesbian relationship in the Torah, and it is it is not a new thing. It's been here forever, and I would really recommend that people just find folks to listen to, find black people, trans people, disabled people, because they're at the core of intersection, and listen to them and learn. Well, it is International Listening Day, so I mean, <laughs> that's, that's really in. Well, I want to thank you so much, Cecilia DeFranco, for being here and for giving us such wonderful, wonderful information. Thank and you so much for having me. And a reminder, folks, all of the information is on www.womenspaces.com. And I'm definitely, Cecilia, I definitely want to have you back again. I mean, we have yeah. so this is a very important topic, and I think people really need to be educated. Well, I want to thank Jakina Black, the Executive Director for the Peace and Justice Center here in Sonoma County, and also to Cecilia uh, Safranco for giving us insight into gender identity and all it entails. Shows and information are all archived on www.womensbases.com. Remember, our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. She can wait so easily. She knows everything you do because the The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 18th, 2022.